0: Starting a brand new series of lessons, I'm really looking forward to uh, this morning. Specifically, we're going to be talking about God's nature reveals God's will. Uh, I'll start off with a, a story. When I was in my early 20s and studying for ministry, um, I had an encounter with God, and, and I've had several uh, in my lifetime, and they're not things that I talk about that often. Uh, they're they're pretty personal and sacred, but I think. In light of our subject matter and where we 're going to be going over the summer months, I think it 's important that uh, this story is communicated so, in my uh, morning prayer time uh, the, I just there 's no other way to describe it other than I was engulfed in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord just spoke to me I, to me, it was just as real as a conversation that I would have with you but i, I don 't know that it was audible, but I know it was very authoritative and it was really strong in my heart and It wasn't anything I was looking for, desiring, or seeking, but the Lord came in His sovereignty and met me in His graciousness and spoke to me. And He said, One of the things I I want you to prepare for is uh, I want you to prepare yourself to minister along the lines of healing. And throughout the years, I have been, you know, pretty faithful to that subject matter and pretty faithful to that call. And, uh, but I was reminded. A few years ago by a good friend of mine who travels and ministers and God uses him in prophetic ways that I needed to get back to the healing ministry that God had called me to. And when I say not long ago, that could be, you know, three to five years for me. That's just a drop in the bucket. And so that's not that long ago to me. And. Um, and I, I've been really stirred along these lines once again to teach on the subject matter, matter of healing. It's something that I've devoted a lot of personal time to. I've experienced the benefit of, of it myself. But you know, it's one thing, uh, you know, if you benefit individually, it's, it's another thing if you take what benefited you and you were able to share it with others so they could benefit. And, and my heart is, uh, that you would benefit from the teachings that are going to be brought forth over the next several, uh, weeks. And it's a large subject matter. Uh, I have a friend and, and, uh, he, he uses different, uh, pencils, uh, to write in his Bible. And so every year he, he gets a new Bible, but he, he, and, uh, but he keeps it sort of the same pencil code and, and he just has really established this discipline in his life. So, uh, a green, uh, pencil is, is all the verses around the subject matter of life. And so wherever life is mentioned, he, he just, you know, gets his green pencil out and goes through his Bible and, and just marks it out. And then of, of course, the blue, uh, is in regard to healing. So wherever there's scriptures or verses in the Word of God, In regards to healing, he gets his blue pencil out, and and then he does that. And then red is for everything that is redemptive, all the redemptive works of Acts, all the deliverances. It's just amazing how God redemptively worked uh, and revealed himself that way in Scripture. And so he has said to me numerous times throughout the year, the blue outweighs everything. it It is a primary subject matter in the Word of God. And... I know for some people, uh, you know, there's hurdles for them to overcome when it comes to healing. And I, I believe that as we look into God's word, some of those hurdles are going to be taken off the track and you're going to be able to run without those hindrances and run and obtain the things that God desires for you. So uh, there's a, a couple other things. If you have not read the book uh, Uh, Christ the Healer. It's a classic, Christ the Healer. And uh, you want a good summer read. It's a great summer read. It's by F.F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer. You can get it. Just just order it on Amazon or any other uh, book distributor, and it'll come to your house. The second resource that I want to make available to you is something that's out at the Welcome Center this morning, uh, something that I uh, put together several years ago, uh, there's 102 different verses or encounters or experiences that uh, that I've documented and put into a handout that's available out at the Welcome Center. That's just in the New Testament in regards to God's heart for healing and his desire to see humanity well. So uh, as we, we dive into this subject matter, I know there's going to be questions that you have, and uh, you're welcome to email me. And ask those questions. I I also ask that you be patient through the process of teaching. I I believe a lot of questions can be answered. I'm not only going to look at it proactively. I'm going to look at it objectively because there are people that object to this healing. And and I'm going to address that within the framework of, of sharing and communicating God's word. There's some people that protest this. And uh, I, I want to, you know, be respectful to the things that they're frustrated by, the things that have hindered them, because I'm interested in helping people. I'm not, I'm not just interested in, in one side of the coin. You know, there's the other side of the coin, and and with that, there's some legitimate concerns and frustrations that people have experienced. And I'll be sharing some personal testimonies along those lines, so that you know that. That, uh, I know where you're coming from. And, but still, what we have to realize is that the authority that we're looking at is God's Word. We're looking at the authority through God's Word. So we're going to take some time, uh, this morning, just a few minutes, to get to know God in a more personal way through His Word. And this is going to produce faith, I believe, as we look unto Him as the one who meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So as we seek to know God, I also know that we're going to gain confidence regarding uh, his will and his ways. And and when we gain confidence in that, it just supports and it strengthens our faith. And especially in regards to healing and health for humanity, because both of those subject matters are are important in Scripture. So the importance of finding scriptural answers uh, to the many questions that people have that deal with healing and health is so vitally important in order for us to put to rest some of the doubts that we wrestle with when it comes to this subject matter. And there are people that have uh, doubts and they're struggling. And the only remedy for your doubt is if you feed your faith, you'll starve your doubts. You can't focus on your doubts and gain ground in your faith. It will only create more doubts. So you have to, you know, switch a gear and you have to begin to feed your faith. If you feed your faith, you're going to starve your doubts. Now, F.F. Bosworth, the author of Christ the Healer, says this. It is impossible to boldly claim by faith the blessings of which we're not sure God offers. Because the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. And this is a phrase that he is famous for. Faith begins where the will of God is known. We have to know what the will of God is. And that is the origin or the conception of faith in in an individual's heart. Because of this, right, and therefore... The greatest hindrance to receiving healing from the Lord for all of humanity is a lack of biblical knowledge for our faith in God can only rise to the level of knowledge that we possess in our heart. Now, here are three witnesses of what I've just communicated with you in scripture. Hosea four, six says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Consider what the prophet is saying there. God's covenant people still can do without because of one thing. They lack knowledge. Now, sometimes people have knowledge of something in their mind, but Scripture talks about knowledge that comes from your heart. So in order for the knowledge or the awareness or the truth that God is a healer to go from here to here. There's a process called biblical meditation. If you meditate in the word day and night, then you're going to be like a tree. You're not going to be like a tree if you just, you know, know something in your mind. But it hasn't registered down in your spirit. Now, here's the second truth that you need to really hear and understand. It's with the heart that one believes. Now, that scripture is found in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. And it says this, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Now, consider the word unto and we can transpose many other words in there. For with the heart. Man believes unto. Grace. Healing. Forgiveness. Mercy. It's always with the heart. That we believe unto. Unto what? Unto whatever your need might be. Unto whatever subject matter that you're studying. Whatever subject matter you, you study, you're going to get stronger in. If you go to the gym and you just work on your biceps, your biceps are going to get big. But your back may not. And so it is the same principle with the word of God. If we want to have strong faith when it comes to healing and health, then we have to be built up in that area and we have to have knowledge, true knowledge, biblical knowledge. God, what God's word has to say about it. And that's going to help us. Here's the here's the third scripture that uh, sort of solidifies what uh, my introduction has been is according to your faith, be it unto you. That's in Matthew chapter nine to blind men came to Jesus. And he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, all of us know that Jesus had a healing ministry, correct? We can read the Gospels and we can see that he had a healing ministry. Most people, though, were amazed that in the four Gospels, there's 19 individual accounts. Now, there's multitudes of times where it talks about the masses being ministered to, But there's 19 individual accounts or stories or encounters that people had with the healing ministry of Jesus. Of those 19, 11 of the 19, Jesus said their faith had something to do with it. The other eight were where God sovereignly intervened. We would call that through the gifts of the spirit or the manifestations of the spirit and needs were met and God was glorified. So consider this with me. If the higher percentage, 11 out of 19, their faith had something to do with them being healed, how many of you believe your faith has something to do with you being healed? All right. Now, this is this is a teeter totter. So I want you to stay with me because I can already sort of feel some of your wheels turning. Well, are you going to be one of those preachers that said people aren't healed because of their lack of faith? And what I'm saying is faith is the avenue in which we receive anything from God. So if you want your faith to be strengthened in any area, strengthen that area of your knowledge of God. Are you with me? So there's a responsibility that lies on our part to be strengthened in faith. But most people want to put it off on God. Well, if it's God's will, he'll just do it. Are you following me now? And the reality is it is his will, but we have to align our will with his will because God won't violate our will. Are you still with me? And and some people, just the simple truth like that can help them realign themselves and desire to know the truth as it's found in Christ. And for that, I'm so thankful. So. In the course of this study, I want you to pay attention particularly to what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Just one little adjustment can make all the difference in the world between you receiving and you not receiving. Sometimes we just want it to be something grand and big and and spectacular. But how many of you know sometimes it's the small things that make a big difference? The small adjustments in our thinking over a course of time make a huge difference in the quality of our life and the vibrancy of our faith. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. amen. So some of you are considering, you know, I I, I probably, you know, uh, need to be. Uh, I have a friend that's not feeling well. I have a friend who's struggling along these lines. I have someone who's who's battling something and needs support. I. I encourage you not only pray for them, consider sharing the messages with them or inviting them to a service because these messages are not meant to produce guilt or shame or condemnation, but to produce faith and life and hope as is found in Christ because our Savior is still the same. Amen. So here's a question. How do we know if it's God's will to heal? And I believe here's the answer. There's only one way. By a constant, careful, diligent, reverent, prayerful study of God's word. I, I, I find there's no substitute for that. The Bereans were commended because they studied the scriptures to see if the things that were being taught them were actually true. How many of you understand that there is a responsibility in our part to know what the Bible says belongs to us. And when you know what the Bible says belongs to you, it becomes personal. It's not just a message that you heard, but it's something that ministers truth to you. So I want to encourage you, bring your Bible. It can come in many different forms, but we're going to be using the Bible through the course of our study. For many of us, We need to shift from personal experience and traditional beliefs and allow the Holy Spirit to once again convince our hearts as to what the Bible says about healing. Because I know throughout the years and throughout ministering along these lines that I've had multitudes of people say, but my experience is this. And now they're basing their faith on their experience. So I want us to shift from that foundation over to the foundation that produces faith, which is God's word. I understand all of us have had experiences and some of them have been glorious and some of them has have been less than glorious. But our faith doesn't come by our experiences. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more of God's word we hear. We hear the more of a foundation of faith that we're going to have to receive. Exodus now, chapter 15. We're going to begin in the 20th and and 21st verse. The 20th and 21st verse. says, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. And Miriam answered them, uh answer them sing to the lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea this is the song a uh, part of the song or the chorus of of miriam and uh the people of god have just you know been delivered they've come uh into this 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 uh glorious uh place where god showed himself to be alive and powerful and, and present in their life, and, and afterwards, you know, they they made it through the Red Sea, and there they are on the other side, and they see Pharaoh and and all of their enemies swallowed up, and they break out in song and they celebrate, and boy, what a moment that is! The whole community is is just is just beside themselves as, as what they've just experienced. So, let's go forward now to verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So after this, this glorious deliverance and encounter, and bringing, bringing, brought out of the Red Sea, where's the next place that, that God is directing them to go? The wilderness, the desert. And, and, and But he said he was taking them to a land that's that's filled with with milk and honey. He's taking them to the promised land. But on the way there, there there might be some things that allow us to learn something about ourselves, where we are, what our heart really is towards the Lord. And in doing so, uh, we can do some self-adjusting and some self-examination because God is not just interested in... In taking us from point A to point B, he's interesting in us becoming more like him as we travel. So they're, they're coming out of this, this, this glorious celebration. You know, everybody's, everybody's got a tambourine. Can you imagine that? Pastor Drew, dear heavens. I mean, someone's on a 2-4 beat, someone's on a 1-3 beat, and someone just don't got no beat. And they're just singing and shouting and rejoicing and happy and running and dancing. And we're going to find out, though, that Moses says, all right, bring your party with you because we're going this way. And now they start this this journey. And verse 23 says, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, For they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put... None of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Well, then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Uh, so their, their first day, three days into this, this journey, they run out of provision, and, uh, there's, there's no water to be found. They sent a scouting group out, and, and no one comes back, uh, and, and now, uh, they're at a place called Mara, and Mara, of course, is bitter, which is a reflection of what they begin to behave like. Uh, it's it's a moment where where Scripture is using this to help us to understand what was in the heart of these people, and that now they were mad at God. And three days later, I mean, three days earlier, they were they were playing their tambourines, running, shouting, singing, rejoicing, and as. As as one minister said, you know, sometimes it's not how high you jump on on Sunday, but how straight you walk on Monday that matters the most. And here they've gotten off the path already three days into the journey and and they begin to complain. Now, all complaints are a manifestation of unbelief. Let that soak in for a minute. Whenever we're complaining, we're in unbelief. All complaining is a manifestation of unbelief. So they're displaying a lack of faith. And they complain and and God does something because they didn't know him. And therefore. They didn't know that he was going to do more than they could ever ask or think. So their knowledge of God up until this point is very limited. They don't have a lot of history with God. They've just experienced God. He's just brought them out. And and it's a glorious story, the Exodus story. But there's some things that in the process of them coming out that God wants to get out of them and help them to get established more in faith. Uh, one man said it this way, the the uh, Hebrew people left Egypt, but Egypt didn't always leave the people of God. It was just ingrained in them, how they thought, how they responded to problems, how they reacted to difficulties. And uh, and now so Egypt comes out of their mouth. They complain, they grumble, and they do this numerous times uh, through the journey uh, in the wilderness but God does something uh glorious here and here's the gospel here's the good news is that there's three things that God does first thing is he he establishes a statue and an ordinance for healing uh, so in the in the moment of their complaining he understands they're limited uh they don't have a lot of knowledge they don't know him or his nature uh and so he intervenes and he says well i need to intervene in these people's lives because there's some things that they're just unaware of about me so the first thing that he does is he puts something on the books you know if there's a statue or an ordinance it's on the books and it's something that's forever settled and this has not been revoked so he 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 saw that they were complaining and uh So Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet and from that he made a statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested or he continued to prove them. Now what is this issue with the tree and the waters and, and why is that sort of a precursor to the statute and the ordinance? It's because it's a, it's a type and shadow. The tree is a, is a type of uh, of the cross and the waters are, are a reflection of the masses of humanity. So whenever you're reading the Bible and you come across portions of Scripture where it talks about seas, seas of, it's talking about seas of humanity. It's It's a metaphor. It's not talking about a physical sea unless it identifies that sea specifically. But if it just says seas, then it's, you know, it's talking about people, large groups of people. Like there's large bodies of water in the seas, okay and and then uh, and the tree is the representation of the cross, and so the cross came into the sea of humanity, and what was bitter, the heart that was bitter, can become made sweet. And then he, he said, "This is going to be a lasting ordinance and statutes forever on the books. This is how i'm I'm going to intervene." When it comes to man's problem with unbelief. I'm going to point them back to the books. It's on the books. And then the second thing that God did was he established a covenant of healing. We read about this in the 26th verse. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ears to his commandments and keep all his statutes, uh, I will... uh, put or permit none of these diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord who heals you. So God establishes a statutes and uh and uh and then he also uh in ordinances and then he established a covenant of healing. And there's three things that we're responsible for in this covenant. Now everybody's excited about God's part. Are you excited about God's part? God God brings the healing. But a covenant isn't a contract, a covenant is a sacred and a binding agreement between two parties or between two people groups. And this this covenant that God made with, with the nation was a covenant of healing. It was already on the books, ordinance, and, and it was written as a statute. And that he can take something that's bitter and he can make it sweet. And there's an example of it. In that Moses threw the tree into the water and the water became sweet and they drank and they were satisfied. And only God can satisfy. If someone's bitter, only salvation can make them better. You, you, you can't educate bitterness out of a heart. Only Christ can drive it out. Only the new birth can bring life. So now we come into this second thing that the Lord did because he, he knew they didn't know him. And they're suffering for a lack of knowledge and they don't have faith to believe. And therefore, they're complaining. So God's intervening. This is good news. And and what he says is, if you'll diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, this is our part. So we have to pay attention. Diligently doesn't mean occasionally. Correct. Diligently means that we should pay attention to it. All right. Short caveat here. The uh, president of the Bible school that I attended, my wife and attended, Charlene and I attended, where we met. Oh, happy day. Where we met, the the president of the Bible school was raised up when he was 16 years of age. There were five terminal diseases that medical science had identified. Any one of them could have taken his life. But he was raised up and he lived until he was 89 years old. So 16 to 89 When the doctors say you're not going to hit 18 is a is a pretty good life, but he gives God the glory. But this is what he said. I knew I had a responsibility once the Lord raised me up to diligently study God's word in two areas every day of my life, faith and healing, because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we have physical bodies that occasionally come under attack and we need the Lord to touch us. We have physical temporal bodies. So faith and healing, two subject matters that he completely, diligently was committed to day in and day out, read scriptures along the line of faith, read scriptures along the line of healing. And he said many times throughout his life he had marvelous opportunities to give into the symptoms, to give into the 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 he had alarming symptoms come back on his body. But because he was established in faith, he didn't complain. He was strong in faith and he gave glory to God and he was able to receive. But he had to fight the good fight of faith. And the only way you can fight the good fight of faith is if you have faith established in your heart. If you're waiting to get in shape before you get in and, and, you know, you think getting in the boxing ring is going to get you in shape, you're going to get your ears boxed. You've got to be in shape before you get in the ring. And God gives us time and space to get in shape. Can you imagine someone fighting like a a world champion contender or the champion of the world in a boxing match and not preparing and just believing that, hey, I'll get in there and I'll get in shape by round four, I'll be in shape. (laughs) I don't know what kind of shape they're talking about, but it's not going to be good shape. And too many Christians are waiting until the battle is brought to them before they engage. We have to be more proactive. And God gives us instruction right here. Diligently do this and you'll get some benefits because I he'll reveal the third part here in a minute in the Lord who heals you, which we'll conclude with here in a moment. Secondly, do what is right in his sight. Boy, this helps us because it allows us to live. Before God with a good conscience. Do what's right in his sight. You know if you do what's right. Everything's going to be alright. Amen. Give ear to his commandments. Keep his statutes. Which are given to guide us in delight. His can't, commandments aren't grievous. His commandments are life giving. His commandments are truth. They bring us into the light. They bring us out of the darkness. So fulfilling. When we fulfill our role. In our covenant relationship. It establishes us. Once again, in faith, with a clear conscience, and it allows us to have the faith to receive our needs met from the Lord. It only produces good. It only brings light into our life. It only brings truth into our life. All right. Number three thing that God did because he wanted people to know him is this. God revealed his name. This is really sacred. This is very personal with God. God revealed one of his redemptive names. There's seven of them in the Old Testament. All of them point toward salvation and what he would do for us in salvation. But this one is phenomenal. God reveals his name. I am the Lord who heals you, which is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah meaning God or God Almighty or the one and only God. There's none beside him. There's none like unto him. But who is this God, this one and only God, the one that there's no like and unto that none can compare to? Who is he? He revealed himself. I am the Lord who heals you. Now, think about those three statements. So there's a statute and ordinance that he established and put on the books. There's a covenant that he came into agreement with us. And then there's the revelation of his name and his name reveals his nature. His character, who he really is. He said, I am the Lord who heals you. Let's break that down as we finish. First phrase, I am. Jesus got in more hot water because he said, I am than any other thing that he said. So God saying, you don't know who I am, so let me re- reveal myself. As Dr. Seuss would say, I am that I am. I am, I am. Now, in the Hebrew, it's actually phonetically written this way. I am, period. The Lord, period. Who heals you, period. In our English language, we make one sentence out of it. It's three truths in one. I am. So, who is I am? I am the Lord. And who is the Lord? I'm the one who heals you. I'm the one that makes the bitter sweet. I am the one that gave you a covenant. I am that God. And if you'll be my people, then I'll permit or put none of these diseases on you that came on the Egyptians. And the example of that, and I'll close with this this morning, because I think we've had enough to begin with. Amen? Enough to consider. Is this. When... There was darkness in Egypt. What was there in the land of Goshen? Light. When the plagues were hitting the Egyptians. What was happening to the people of God? They were living under the promises. A covenant. When the death angel came. And took the firstborn of all the Egyptians. And all of their animals, what was the protection for the people of God? The blood. They were positioned properly. In Christ, you're positioned. He is the great I am, the Lord. Who is the Lord? I am the Lord that heals you. He could have just said, I'm the Lord who heals But he put a personal pronoun on it. He could have said, I, I heal. And then we can come up with our own conclusions. But to make it personal, he put the personal pronoun there. The personal pronoun there is emphatically a part of the text. I am the Lord who heals you. Know his nature, know his will have faith to receive from him. So God revealed his name as Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord who heals you. God revealed his nature through his name. And he taught his people to love his name, to call upon his name, to believe in his name, to have faith in his name. He is still the same. God's nature is to heal. And this is revealed to us through his name and what has been accomplished to those who put their faith In his nature as God and in his name as Jehovah. And I want you to stand as I finish by reading Acts chapter 3. And if you want to look on the screen. Acts chapter 3. We're going to begin in the 11th verse. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you so intent, uh, look so intently at us as, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, or that's the story or the testimony that we're giving. And notice in verse eight, in verse 16, and his name, what is his name? He is the Lord who heals us. What happened to the lame man? He was healed. He wasn't lame anymore. Through faith in his name. What? Through faith in his name. Where did they get that faith? Well, They heard the word of God. Someone had to preach the word of God to them. And what did they preach? They preached that God was a God who had a statue and an ordinance of healing. That the New Testament wasn't written at this time. They're, They're pulling this out of what God had already written. That God had a covenant of healing. And that God was Jehovah Rapha. And through faith... In his name, who, whose name? The great I am's name, the name of Jesus. What happened to this man? This man is strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has, has given him this perfect soundness, perfect soundness in the presence of you all. There's faith that comes when you sit and hear the word of God. Faith for what? Well, this morning, faith for healing. Well, who do we look unto? We look unto the Lord. And who is the Lord? He's the great I am. He is the Lord who heals us. How do I know that? Well, it's in the books. And I have a covenant. And If I do my part, then I never have to be concerned about him doing his part. If I learn my role, he'll fulfill his responsibility. Thank you for listening to today's message.